Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource to remind you that I should always just stick to my guns when Andrew calls me out if I'm going to call Corona average. I should just stick to it and say that he's average because sure enough what happens the next time he hits the ice against St. Cloud, he gets pulled in in the Friday game. I still well, think you were you were wrong actually because I think you could call that below average actually. <laughs> that that's a uh, yeah that's actually true yeah. So uh, I I was should have stuck. I should have just gone with my gut and say that he's a below average. And he, anyway, he sucks. Um, Corona sucks. He, he sucks because <laughs> winners don't get pulled. Corona. Um, <laughs> that's right. Wow. <laughs> what if I actually, I hope this is somebody's first podcast and they're like, wow, that guy is, that guy is something. Coming out hot. Yeah, right. right. I'm Weldy uh, sitting here with Andrew. Uh, huge sweep for the Huskies. Um, and it's, uh, I, I got a question for you. I want to, I want to kind of get your thoughts. Maybe we'll get it out right, right out of the way. Uh, Huskies win seven to three on Friday two two rip on Saturday. Um, I thought the Huskies played solid. I thought Denver played poorly. Um, I think this sweep, as much as I absolutely love it as a Husky fan, I think it's actually maybe a little bit more on the fact that I did not think Denver played nearly as well as they are capable of. And I think that this actually is probably going to catapult them here for the rest of the season. I want to know right off the hop, uh, weekend as a whole, what are your thoughts on that? I'm not going to disagree too much with that, actually. I Obviously, I think the Huskies played played well. Played, played very well. well. Yeah. Um, and were the Huskies whisperers here? I mean, listen to last week's podcast. If you did... You would have re- you'd remember that you know we came here saying what are the keys to to turning around some of the Huskies' fortunes here? Special teams, uh, mm-hmm. being a big one. Um, you know, gave up that first uh, power play goal to Denver on Friday in their first chance, but after that, perfect weekend. And um, I thought the key, the turning point in that game was killing off the five on three, the five on three penalty. Yep. For almost the full two minutes, I think a minute forty change or minute whatever it was, forty-five, I think it was. Yeah, but yeah, and then and then immediately scoring after killing that penalty to make it a four to two game, extending the lead from three to two to four to two. So a turning point there with a big kill, and then three three for five on the power play uh, on Friday, and adding another power play goal on Saturday as well. So we've been talking about struggles on the power play. Uh, turning those oh, around, turning those around oh would be a 15. big move. Oh for, oh for fifteen coming into the series. This yep. Need to change that around. Well, check. Uh, and yeah, you know, we need to. Clean I, sh- I should clarify. I should clarify. Oh for their last fifteen. Obviously, they weren't oh for fifteen on the season. But clearly, yes. and, um, and oh for the last five but, games, oh for twenty twenty three, all that jazz. But no longer, uh, we're able to turn that, that around. Jazz. Uh, penalty kill as well had been struggling and, and, and that, that showed up and, and was able to, to be a key in the game. So check there. 
Um, I was confident last week. My mojo, my intuition is uh, is working pretty well. I said I was pretty confident yeah. about the Huskies this this weekend, and again, didn't call us sweet because I don't have a spine. But uh, <laughs> but this was a, a, a I expected this effort from the Huskies. I would mm-hmm. agree with you that I was you know not going to say disappointed because I don't really care how how well Denver wants to play their games, but. I was less impressed with them, certainly, than from the series in Denver from a couple of months ago. They certainly did not have their best weekend. Krona did not have his best weekend, as we've mentioned. Um, And Now, some of those were absolute lasers, I will have to say. That's uh, true. Kronola's goal, Mietnin's goal. I mean, they were lasers, but overall, I mean, especially Crookshank's one. I mean, you got to have that one. Um, Rogers and that one you got. I don't know. Yeah, he was adequate and a little bit below adequate, um, obviously. And I thought it was incredibly cute that um, you know, he gets pulled for Matt Davis, um, who, you know, fight, you know, he gets in, gets some playing time, and then uh, you know, down, <laughs> and uh. And Carl pulls him <laughs> and in favor of the uh, extra attacker. And I'm like, oh, you think you have a chance at coming back against our defense? This is cute. <laughs> so I thought, it's like, God, poor, poor guy. I think uh, finally get in and nope, you're not. Yeah, it was, uh, like I said, uh, uh, a lesser weekend. They pulled them, him at but... what, like the six minute mark? It felt like the six minute mark. Maybe yeah, I mean, I. Five, but... I, I I didn't see I didn't read it that way I I just thought well maybe here's a chance for us to get some extended you know time with an extra attacker I don't think he was really thinking he was going to come back it was more like we can use this as a practice because Denver isn't often in a position to pull their goalie so uh, but yeah certainly not their best weekend um, we saw for for the Huskies we'll, we'll go into the, each of these games more in depth but just kind of big picture whole weekend thoughts, you know, going back to the, uh, to the goaltending rotation with uh, this time flipping it up, flipping around with Bassey on Friday and, and Castor on Saturday. Uh, interesting in that Castor uh, gets the shutout on Saturday. <laughs> shut <laughs> shut out by, gi- by giving up that. a goal, um, a, a terrible goal at that. Uh, oh. But it, you was, know, it was really they, reminiscent of one of those Renex squeakers yeah, from it was. His, <laughs> yes. his sophomore and junior year. But uh, a thankful early whistle there uh, negated that. Uh, but he gets the shutout, But and, and Bassey gives up three. A um, couple of those I wasn't real impressed with either on Friday, but I thought Bassey made more key saves. We saw, I mean, we're giving the power play their due here, getting three goals, but also that, that last power play, that chance they had the second period, was not good as it turned out. Uh, it created two breakaways for Denver on the shorthanded two, chances. Yeah. Still at uh, four to two, I believe. Or had they gone up to five to two at this point? Either way, it was no, still. No, it was. It yeah, was. It was four to two because or no, it was four. It was four, it was four to three. Two. I think it was four to three at that point no. because Edwards had scored somewhat shortly after the the fourth goal for the Huskies. It was four to three at some point in the, in the second. And then I think it was five to three. I don't know if this was before or after the fifth goal for the Huskies. We have a box score here. 
I guess I could look at it. Yeah, I suppose um, we could just look at that. I think it was so Mietten makes it five to three on the power play uh with about three and a half to go. So this would must have been yeah, Divine's penalty yeah, was about a minute after that. So it was after so it was it was five to three. So still definitely a, a, a game there. And Bassey saves both of those chances uh on the breakaways. And he just he, he ended up making some very key saves, I thought. Um and I was almost I don't know, more impressed with him just because I thought the game hinged at certain points that he was able to make some, some key saves. Not to say Caster didn't make some, some clutch saves, but I just thought that the grade-A chances for Denver were few and far between on Saturday. And so I guess the moral of the story there is that both goalies played well again, uh, but seeing as that, that goaltending uh, uh, game plan has not been as predictable as it was in the first half, where it was always Caster first night, Bassey second night. We've changed it up here in the second half. Still, I thought that's notable that they were, you know, f- they flip flop positions or nights at least, uh, but still were able to come up big and out goaltend their opponent. Um, so I uh, wanted to throw that one out there as well. Uh, another big, big takeaway of the weekend, however, we have to mention Dylan Anhorn. Uh, yeah. Cost this weekend. Uh, out for the season. Now we just we just learned a few hours ago from from Mick Hatton's reporting. Uh, sounds like it was some freak accident during warmups on Saturday. You know he had that late hit on him on Friday, and when I saw that he was out of the lineup, kind of a late scratch, I thought that that those things were connected. Perhaps that late hit uh, on Friday had something to do with him being out. Turns out. It doesn't sound like that was an issue at all. It just was something that happened in pregame warmups. Terrible freak luck. Uh, and so, you know, Huskies have been having he to deal seen... with injuries all year, and here's another one, perhaps the biggest one now, because he's going to be definitely out for the season uh, and probably your best defenseman so far this year. Uh, so, Yeah, he was seen um, after the game um, on crutches. Um, you know, without a brace, without anything. So it's so it's just kind of kind of interesting. And then you hear this report. So immediately, my mind goes to some kind of CL tear, ACL, MCL, some type of dry land. Just something catches wrong. All of a sudden, your knee goes one way, and then you know because that does require surgery and well, lengthy time and whatnot. So I guess you know maybe then does he execute his fifth year? <laughs> You know, fingers crossed, I guess. But that's um, that's something definitely to look at. Um, I did uh, just want to go back quickly. I I was confusing the two shorthanded breakaways that Denver had with the five on three penalty kill. Um, so it was the five on three penalty kill. We killed that off, and then we get the puck. Chronola rips that um shot home on a really and, that, good and that was the fourth rush. goal for St. Cloud. And that, that was it, the fourth goal. So that's was, where I got those big momentum changes yeah. were yep. were crossed in my head. So that's very understandable. Uh also another uh topic, uh frequent topic, popular topic for, of ours over the last few weeks, Mason Solquist's donut. Uh it's gone. Uh, it's gone. Perfect. He's off the schneid. Uh, a two-point weekend for him. Two-point weekend, and 
Very good. It's on a hot the, streak now. Very good in the faceoff circle on Friday. The whole team was very good with faceoffs. Yeah. They were very good with uh, um, possession, right? And, and again, those those faceoffs were so key for for Saint Claude. I thought uh, kind of under the radar stat there, but Salquist, you know, and he's still getting some, some power play time, and uh, he was an active presence. And at, at, like I said, he's he's off the Schneid and. I think that's good for his confidence, and you know that's a uh, that's another big key for this uh, for this team going forward. That we saw, we've been talking all season about scoring depth. Jack Rogers uh, knocking in a couple of goals, one each night, uh, and and that's obviously you take those uh, every chance you get. We've been complaining about Mietnin. He he scores a goal. Um, he scores a snipe from the top of the circles. So I guess that's going to be his new office. Uh, <laughs> instead of the dots, he's going to now fling it at all costs from the top of the dot, top of the circles, at least until he wants to change the game plan again. But hey, as long as it actually hits the net, I'm happy. <laughs> like as long that, as it's and it doesn't ring is, around the boards and clear the important. So. That is important. And for all the crap that we give me yet, and he is at 20 points this season. It's not like he is, which would lead the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, who we'll get to uh, later. So <laughs> we may just be, we might be complaining about me but that might be, uh, th- those are Cadillac problems, uh, so to speak. Like, it's a luxury to be able to complain about a guy with 20 points at this, at this point in the season. So, but again, nice to see him contribute as well uh really getting contributions from all four lines this weekend and the defense played played well i mean we didn't play with anhorn on saturday but we saw reiner step up i thought trey ball had a very good weekend very active presence there usually you don't see him sort of uh leading offensive charges but there were certain points that he was so uh meyer uh meyer Meyer his power play assist um with Really got the weekend um, off on the right on the right foot. Yeah, and not only that, but just his play where you know he gets the puck and he fakes the shot to lure the defender into the lane um, to create a passing lane for the tip for Okabe. Um, it's just one of those little extra head on a hat plays where you don't see quite what leads up to it. Um, that I just want to give him a shout out for being smart um, with that. Um, I got to make another correction here. I swear Solquist got an assist on. Saturday, but apparently he didn't. Apparently it was Molinar, so I was wrong on that one. So. Well, he again still played. I thought a a, a good weekend. Still of played very well. He did. Yep. Um, um, one person I was not impressed with on the defense would be Brendan Bushy again. I think it's kind of been a little bit of a a tough stretch for him. Um, you know, almost to the point where uh, you know can. Well, I thought like Brett Edwards' goal. I think you know, right after we we get up four, um, four to two, you know, kind of thinking, okay, here, you know, let's let's finish this, and then that was kind of a weird play between him and Bassey, um, that uh, Edwards was able to kind of put it, uh, you know, put it on a kind of a weird, fluky shot, but it still went in. But it's a bad uh, goal. Bushy kind of yeah. screened his own goalie there too. Edwards' first goal of the year. Never mm-hmm. like never like giving that up. Uh some other guy's first first of the year. 
but uh, I'm sure they're. I'm sure Duluth or uh, Denver is also saying that about uh, him being the team to to give Sulquist his first goal uh, as well. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean Cranla, uh, very good weekend. Four points, two Four goals points. on Friday, two assists. NCHC Saturday. forward of the week. He's. Yeah. Yeah, and my my pal. I don't know if we're gonna get ahead of him, oh. ahead of ourselves, but uh, he was a, he was an excellent force. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, it was a tough choice. I don't know if we want to talk about that because because Rogers was on my mind too, um, because I thought those goals were very important goals, uh, mm-hmm. and there was like, yeah, there there was a lot of candidates this weekend. There wasn't. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of guys made this, uh, hit the score sheet, and a lot of guys seem to be deserving of it. So um, I had to think. Uh, I had to think about this one, but I am going to go with Cranola. Let's put it. Let's let, let's put a pin in that. Let's put a sure. pin in that. Let's. Yeah, we're, all, uh, we're going all off the map here. We're going all over. Yeah. Well, of course we were. Um, uh, two nothing win then on Saturday, uh, where it was a little more tightly contested game, but. Even as that game was going on, uh, I, w- I was just kind of watching, and I was just wondering where was that, where was this Denver team from when we played them at Magnus? Because I thought, you know, their their top line, you know, that uh, that Denver have is just full of stars and was absolutely, um, I thought, amazing um, in in Magnus, and I thought their defense was good. Barons, Bouillon, and I was really impressed with Mayhew when we played at Magnus. I thought all three of them were terrible, um, really, all weekend. You had, um, I think it was Bouillon that was uh, just <laughs> took a couple of shots from Rosborough <laughs> just before the Jack Ro- uh, the Rogers goal in front of the net, and then Bouillon chased him like almost to the corner and let. <laughs> The, the open like the open slot um where we were able to score a goal i was like booyah what are you doing there um and then barons taking down rosborough um to create a uh a, 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 a power play chance in uh saturday's game and i'm like barons how are you getting outlegged by i mean no offense to rosborough and all and you know he was he was clipping along pretty well, but um, I thought that uh, tripping call there in the third period, um, you know, that kind of um, I don't want to say sealed the game, but really cut two minutes off where obviously there was only about five minutes left to go in the game at that point. It's a penalty you can't take. Um, uh, but Mazer, I didn't think I I thought that you know Mazer and Rizzo, and I thought that line was just off. Mazer even gets the Robbie Earl treatment, gets the embellishing call. <laughs> yeah, so I was, a, it, I was surprised by that call. Um, well, I had to. I, I guess I had to. I, I didn't do a good enough show prep last week. Um, talking about that Mazer Dornback Rizzo line from from that Denver series in November. Remember, we discussed perhaps the best line St. Cloud's going to see. This year, and certainly some other candidates like the Gophers uh, that we've since seen, but excellent line out there, and it had been producing quite a lot. That's sort of what led some folks to label this team a one-line team 
which I tried to push <laughs> push back on last week. I was uh, so I don't I, know what you're talking about. So I was quite surprised on Friday <laughs> to see the uh, starting lineup being Dornback with not Mazer and Rizzo, and I dug into that a little bit and. Turns out on December 3rd, so the second game of their series against Arizona State, uh, is when they decided to break up that line, which on the one hand surprises me because it was such a great line. Um, on the other hand, the that's when guys like Tristan Bros ended up getting he was they've generally been they've been mixing it up a lot. It's a lot of times it's been Dornback being with another line and they'll keep Rizzo and Mazer together. And a lot of the times it was bros that would be put on the line with uh, with Rizzo and Mazer. And in his case, 15 points in the two months, six weeks, or six or seven weeks or so since that uh, change was made. So uh, I think that it had worked to the extent of trying to spread out their offense a little bit more by shuffling those line mates around. Um, that, they're still getting power play time. Like that five-on-three started on Friday, and all three of those guys were out there. That was the – it's like they were moving the puck around. I'm like, I don't know how Denver doesn't score on this five-on-three. Uh, it, it looked uh, – it, it was looking very nice right right off the bat and generating some chances, but to the Huskies' credit, they were able to kill it off. But – so I need. I was unaware of the fact that they had broken that line up to the extent that they had. On Saturday, they come back and start that line back up. They reunite Dorn back with Mazer and Rizzo, which I thought was interesting. So it doesn't work for them on on Friday, uh, losing to St. Cloud, and and they come back and I don't know. Maybe it's out of desperation, but they bring they reunite that line together and they get shut out. And all three of those players, I don't know if they got a point on the weekend. I know they didn't score any goals. Um, but uh, very quiet, um, generating some chances. But, uh, yeah, I see Dornbeck got one of the assists on the first power play goal on Friday. But, but other than that, no points for Rizzo, no points for, uh, for Mazur. And so interesting game plan that Denver has, uh, has utilized here. And I'm, I'm wondering what they, what they do going forward. You had mentioned perhaps if this is going to kickstart Denver, like maybe they need a kind of a sweep here in order for them to regain focus. Like I said, you know, been playing decent over the last month or so, but not really being challenged much. You know, had the sweep at sweep of Miami last weekend. They scored seven goals on Alaska, played Lindenwood, Duluth. I mean, none of these teams really strike fear at you. Um, so uh, it's uh, perhaps the fact that they were able to kind of get humbled a little bit this weekend I'm wondering if that's going to be the motivation that they need to kick it in a high gear. I hope not, but uh, yeah, right. interested to see how this team uh, responds going forward. But uh, sticking with the Huskies, more impressed by their uh, their game plan this weekend. The fact that they're getting contributions from all four lines and a bunch of the defense, uh, and the fact that this Anhorn injury obviously is not good news. But as we've talked about all, all year. Um, defense is a deep position for them. You know, last week we talked about, God, where's Wiley been? Uh, Reiners has been stepping up and he's been deserving time. Well, you'll mm-hmm. likely see those got more of those guys on a regular basis now with Anhorn out. 
Um, you know, Chase Brand has been out as well the last couple of weeks. He's been kind of in and out of the lineup dealing with some injuries this year. So uh, injuries has been certainly a, an issue for St. Cloud, as we were talking before the show. Well, the one, I guess, silver lining in that is that the injuries haven't seemingly piled up one on top of another. It seems like Lukey got injured right off the bat. What, first shift of the year for him? Second shift or whatever? And so yeah. he's out for a month, and then it was the Denver series. I believe he comes back. Well, the Denver series is when Kuka was out. That, that was the start of him being out for three weekends, I believe. Then it was right around there that Meyer go, goes out. Uh, but then those guys and come, I think come a, back. I think it was one of those hits shortly after. I think maybe it was maybe it was the Denver series. Maybe it was the series after where Brand Part One was out for a little bit again. Right. This is this is Brand's second time on the uh on the sideline. Yes, and so but at least it's not like you got Ludke and Meyer and Anhorn yeah. all injured at the same time. Like we've spread them out a little bit, but we're gonna be out for out, you know, without Anhorn for the rest of this season, so huge loss. Let's see who uh who steps up. Uh and Excited to to see who who gets that chance and how the and and also I mean he got Anhorn's like penalty or uh, power play quarterbacking as well that he's he's got to replace. I mean guys like Meyer and Peart uh, likely are going to be uh, more in that number one defense uh, on the power play position. Uh, I trust those guys. They they seem to be doing the job admirably. Uh, and but it's just a bigger role and and more of a spotlight there on the on the number one unit. So. Uh, you got some opportunities for some players and, um, that's, that's not a bad thing. Uh, obviously it's not a good thing that Anhorn is injured, but the fact that it does give these, uh, some other guys, some opportunities here is also exciting too. So very, very good weekend for the Huskies and I want them to, uh, to keep this up going into a rival, uh, rivalry weekend, uh, with the Bulldogs here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, we uh, talked about it a little bit a little bit earlier, but the two uh, reviews uh, for the goals uh, that were that were not called. First off, um, obviously, early whistles happen. It sucks for Denver. I mean, because that was clearly that should be a goal. Right. Um, and then shortly after there was a review. I didn't think that should have been a goal anyway. Um, I could never see the puck in the net, um, at all, despite what Gino was trying to tell me (laughs) and, and Jim Rich. So, um, obviously both of them, I thought were fairly easy, no goal calls, um, that took an exorbitant amount of time to review (laughs) that again, that just goes into, I don't know, like why these are taking so long to look at just in general. I just don't understand. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I understand them wanting to review that, uh, that Denver goal that was blown dead early. Just there is the chance that it, you know, puck dribbled across the line prior to the whistle. You'd think that would be an easy, you just, but I guess you, the fact that you have to sync up audio and video, perhaps the, Technology, talking about St. Cloud State's sound system, um, perhaps <laughs> anything related to that, uh, which will make uh, it a J- challenge. J- Jason Bryant did reach out and said that they, because uh, I I threw out a tweet about how um, 
it sounds like some of the ad reads sound like a fire alarm chirping. And that's, you know, some of the plosives and the S's and whatnot, you know, kind of has that ting that reverberates around the national or the, the concrete cathedral that we have. And um, so Jason kind of took that a little bit to heart and re-recorded like most of his ad reads to make sure that he gets rid of some of those S's and that. Uh, so um, so I, I didn't mean to you know, kind of throw them under the bus or anything like that. I was like, uh, but, uh, happy that, uh, also they got fixed. He said that it was, uh, it was really annoying for him to listen to as well. So, so I guess I, I shouldn't feel too bad about it, but. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't exactly know but what I, the, uh, I can't imagine that it's going to take that much to sync up audio and video. It, they, it, it should just be synced up already. You just rewind. Don't you? I don't understand. Yeah, no, I yeah, I don't get it. the the other The other review, I don't know what, I I don't know what they were really reviewing, mm-hmm. uh, and reading Hatton's write up. Larson seems to think that that was like a no cinch lead pipe goal. Like, oh, it definitely yeah. went in. I'm I I have no idea what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was certainly no know. angle that I saw. Uh, I, I was surprised. I'm surprised that you're saying that. Parrish and Rich were complaining about it. At that point, I I finally gave up on them, and, and I, t- I I muted it uh, somewhere in the second period. It was somewhere after the Jack on the spot thing, which isn't a pun on anything. Uh, <laughs> something when they like return to that for like the third time, I'm like, okay, I, I I've had it. So I muted it and I turned it on KVSC. And um, were you able to get enjoyed- that synced up? Yes, uh, the the video is like twenty five seconds ahead, so I just kind of paused that for a little oh, bit okay. and synced it up. So it did work. Perfect. It t- took a little bit to calibrate, but I was able to do that. Um, and I enjoyed the KVSC team. I the, the Blake Blake Tyson set a high standard for me last <laughs> year, um, and I'm not I'm not going to go ahead and say that they're quite at that level. Um, but uh, certainly an upgrade from from the TV from the TV crew and, and the so the KBSC guys seem to be thinking they're kind of on my side as far as that I'm not really sure what what we're looking at here doesn't seem like much so yeah I I got a text from my brother who's just very yeah I, mean, I don't even call him a Saint Cloud fan just kind of a casual hockey fan and he's like boy these reviews are just sucking all the life out of this game huh um, and I'm like yeah it's at this point I kind of used to it. Um, so I didn't, just, I wasn't really all that worked up now, uh, at least, at least college hockey or at least in this league. Uh, it's, I wasn't all that worked up about it. Maybe I, I just was able to, I don't know, drink another beer, um, <laughs> because of the delay, but, uh, what, what beer yeah. were you drinking? Something like hot hmm. Valley. I don't know. It's something that was on sale. Um, but it's some hype. It's like high hazy IPA. I don't know. Is it, uh, Arizo- is it Arizona local? I don't think so. It was just, uh, it was like a $5 six pack. Like, and I stock gotcha. up on those, like whenever they go on sale. So I, I'm really not oh, that right. picky. As, as long as it says beer, I'll, I'll drink it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. They, but, uh, they have a new, they opened up a new distillery, um, on no, the yeah. east side of you town. You were telling me about yeah. this. Yeah. So, so I did get some of the, uh, the 1928 prohibition bourbon, uh, that they, uh, that they have. Nice. I was 
incredibly surprised in how good it was. I was I I was not expecting not much, but it's surprisingly smooth. So I'm like, okay, this is this is pretty good. So I've got in my collection, I've got three Minnesota whiskeys. So so I've got, That's I've good. got Iron Iron Street that just opened. Um, I got Tattersall, which is incredibly good, and Brother Justice, which is also incredibly good. So who who knew that we were making a name for ourselves in Minnesota yeah. in the bourbon industry? So All right, maybe we could hit them up for a potential uh, sponsorship uh, opportunity. Hey, who there knows? You go. Yeah, I'd love to have those free samples. So <laughs> same here. <laughs> um uh so are you going to be uh syncing up then the kvsc guys from now on we'll see i mean I definitely Al- alex brian i know i think they listen to the show so you, you you better just say yes it would just depend on if if the audio feed will will cooperate because i i mean i'm saying i know that tyson those guys went on the road so i'm assuming they're going to be uh broadcasting this weekend from duluth for instance and you know what i feel about the Duluth announcers uh, ripe opportunity to mute them uh, in favor of KBSC. Um, now it's just, I know that the home feed will work for me, so I'll definitely do that from now on. You just have it to just, keep in mind when uh trivia weekend is though. They had mentioned that too. I, so. I, it might be on the off weekend for the Huskies actually. Ooh, perfect. There we go. Cause it's some, it's sometime in February and, and the Huskies have a one of the, the, their last off week, their last buy is a uh, second weekend in February. So it might, maybe they, maybe they schedule that, um, <laughs> to, uh, avoid a, a scheduling conflict. Uh, nope. It looks like it is weekend in North Dakota. Uh, uh well, seven, 17th through the 19th. Well, I might have to put up with, uh, with the North Dakota announcers that weekend. I think one of those games is on CBS Sports Network. Well, so we're still going to be putting up with the North Dakota announcer because he <laughs> announces those games as well. But uh, yeah, I, I can make. Might, I can make. They might have like a specific sports stream too. I don't know. I'll I'll ask. I'll I'll ask. Yeah, Alex and I we've, D, we've DM'd once, so I'm do, sure. Yep. Do some digging. Sure, it's not it's not weird, right? Um, <laughs> let's hop over then. Pow. Let's uh let's get the pow. You have already uh dealt your hand. No, showed your cards. No, what is I don't know. You said who you is your pow. So if you uh, any more any more about uh the thriller from Cornilla? I'll change my mind actually. I'll go Joe Ray Camp. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh yeah, uh, Judd Judd Peterson. <laughs> Dave Par- Dave Paradise. <laughs> Just throwing out random names here. No, I'm I'm well, going then, co- Well, then I'm obviously going. we're going Jeff Finger. <laughs> now, nah, see, that's oh, that's that's Blade. It's it's been there, done that. I, I think that's uh, that's uh, we we've done enough finger bombing here. I don't think we have. <laughs> so we can always use more. Uh, All right, uh, yeah, I'll I'll stick with Cranola. How about you? Um, well, uh, since it is uh, the Go Huskies woo, uh player of the weekend uh also Cronla. Uh, so uh just kind of his uh thought he was just not only is it you know because he showed up on the score sheet which obviously helps but overall all zones every aspect i thought he was always in the mix and um 
just was really big thorn overall in the side of um of Denver and he was able to do that uh, able to always be in the mix and yet still uh able to stay out of the penalty box which kind of has been a little bit of his Achilles heel over the uh over the, over the years that you know he gets in but he'll he'll take an extra jab or a penalty or whatnot so um like he said uh, a lot of great uh great choices but yami yeah, really stood out uh power play didn't try the move um they made their adjustments and uh, they were able to capitalize on it you know they didn't try that uh half half wall one time or over and over again and that's definitely uh, that's definitely helped. Still says Denver's a one line team. Um, they didn't show up this weekend, so. Um, and he did also ask me if I'm going to lead off the show with uh, Quinnipiac losing twice. We'll get to that uh, basically on their Charmin schedule, but um, we'll get to that when we talk about uh, kind of around college hockey. So, uh, but yes, he agrees with you with uh, with Yami. Uh, I am. Go ahead. No, I was just. The way that you're framing this, it sounds like you're not going with Granlock. I am not going with Granlock, actually. (laughs) And again, this is maybe a little bit of a cop out. uh, And maybe this uh, player wouldn't feel like it's earned because, yeah, on the score sheet, it's it's not the same, not the same panache, but it's. It, it's a guy that I, I'm i probably not going to put on here a lot, and we've given Cronel a lot of plurries, so I am going to go with you know, Jack Rogers. I was going to say Mr. Rogers. Yep. Mr. It, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. neighborhood. Yep, exactly. I bet he I bet he loves that, too. I know. <laughs> I bet. Should so. get, we should, like, uh, pay, like, we should send him a sweater, like a sweater vest. <laughs> uh, right. you know, to like, won't you be my neighbor? Uh, give him that uh, Tom Hanks movie uh, DVD. <laughs> uh, it'd be good, good bit. Yeah, again, I bet he's never gotten that before. Uh, it's possible so, though that I mean he's probably he probably maybe wasn't alive when Mister Rogers was alive. So the thing is, I'm getting old. I don't know if, uh, if you're feeling this too. Like these these uh, these people are quite a lot younger. <laughs> Than us, but, and to to have the the cultural references stick, it's it's getting my, a little tricky at this point. My my wife and I were talking the other day when we were in the car because uh you know I've had my car for you know a little over a year now, uh but I haven't really done anything with the presets on the radio because on it honestly I just really have NPR on or my CarPlay you know just my podcast or or the radio or the uh my music or the new Taylor Swift album, whatever. But, um, so I haven't done anything with the preset. So I was going through kind of like, what are the stations again? So obviously I have, you know, KBSC and then I have, um, you know, the Huskies radio channel, just in case I want to listen to them. Um, and then I was going through some of those and I was like, okay, uh, 1037, the loon, I wonder what they're playing right now. Because I would have thought their classic rock would still kind of age up and would would move, uh, but no, Pink Floyd was being played, and I was like, you gotta, you gotta really hit, you hand it to them, hand it to the loon, for just, I am playing rock from this area and nothing more till the end of time, because I think that's just what they're going to do. Because I thought, you know, 
considering that, you know, 60 years old by now. <laughs> oh, oh, 50, but still, like, it's... I, I thought it would have uh, aged up a little bit, a little, little bit, uh, you know, at least from the 90s, but uh, no, nope, they're, they're, they're committed to it, so kudos to them. Well, that's based on one song. Like, what was the next song after that? I don't know. I had to find more more radio stations. Because I remember, like, <laughs> to put when on. I was back in Minnesota, I don't know, in the last five years, uh, I flipped to KQ, and they they played like some Pearl Jam. It was it was newer than I thought. Like they they mixed in some. They were into the '90s, let's say. Mm. And I remember it would have been listening to them in the '90s, and they weren't playing Pearl Jam. So sure. But I think the classic rock sort of format is sort of you know 67 to 76 is sort of your bread and butter. That's uh, your wheelhouse right there. I think that's yeah. That's that's always going to be the uh, the majority of the songs. But then I do think you mix in. He mix in some of the some of the newer stuff, uh, but anyway, anyway, uh, but Jack Rogers' goal on um, on Friday, you know, you know, making it three to two, getting the Huskies the lead there. Uh, I thought that was a big goal, um, and then obviously the the game winning goal, there the first goal there on um, on on Saturday, so. Just, just overall, that play and that Lions play, um, I thought did an excellent job. So I wanted to give them a little bit of rec- recognition, and uh, I felt like this is kind of the best place to do it. A guy who's you know has three goals on the season, two of them this weekend. So uh, I'm going to give it to give it to Rogers. So kudos uh, to him on his weekend. You bet. I he was probably the number two choice for me. So I'm glad that he he got the pow from one of us this week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, switching over then, uh, uh, Huskies tied, top of the standings now. I uh, did not see this coming, but obviously, uh, pleasantly supp- surprised. We have the tiebreaker over. Denver with uh, more regulation wins. Um, and just looking at uh, the rest of the schedule or the schedules, the rest of the way for both teams, uh, who, who would you say has the inside track? Um, so just to recap here, the, um, the schedule for both teams uh, remaining, it's for Denver. They've got a uh, home and home against Colorado College. They have North Dakota at home, Minnesota Duluth at home. They're at Western, another home and home uh, against Colorado College. Now, the first home and home against Colorado College, that's at a neutral site. That's at the uh, uh, arena in Denver. Uh, that's just for Denver's home game. They're still playing yes. the CC game at home. So Denver's just given their, moving their home game to Ball Arena yep. uh, where, where the Avalanche play. Yeah, of those and matchups. Then, oh, go ahead. Yeah, we should and, talk about St. Cloud's schedule. So St. Cloud uh, remaining schedule at Minnesota Duluth, uh, home against Miami at North Dakota at Omaha, like home against Minnesota Duluth. Of those two, who has the inside track? I mean, I suppose from the perspective of you know St. Cloud's got. Five. Both teams have five series left. 
four of the five for the Huskies against teams in the bottom half of the league, whereas Denver has three series. Or no, because Western Michigan hopped CC. So I guess both both teams have just one series against teams in the top half. Uh, the same? Nope. Uh, again, this ball arena game kind of throws it into, into whack a little bit, but five home games and then the ball arena game for Denver versus four road games. Huskies are more road heavy. They got four home games left versus six road tilts. I think they're kind of even uh, as far as, I don't know if there's one. I mean, CC, that's always a rival. You know, we've got the rivalry games, the, the designated conference rivals. Uh, the, both teams have four games against them, St. Cloud and Duluth, and Denver with CC. Toughest series, I'd say, for Denver is at Western Michigan. Uh, you also have the rivalry weekend with North Dakota, but, you know, Dakota's not as good this year, obviously. So, I don't know. I I maybe would give Denver the slight edge because they have more home games. Um, but I don't think this is a murderer's row schedule in either case. Who would you sort of give the advantage to? I mean, I always have to have a little bit of a caveat, maybe not a caveat, but like, I just look at Miami is, you know, we lost to Miami, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, uh, okay. Um, at Omaha, I I don't know what to make of this Omaha team, you know, coming off of a, a sweep that they have, and they're knocking also on the doorsteps too. Uh, just in, in second place in the conference, if you ask their TV guy. <laughs> when you texted me that they said that, I was like, that's not how numbers work. Uh, I thought it was a mistake too. I thought that he just didn't know that the St. Cloud game had gone final, and that perhaps because at that point or. It, beginning of the day Omaha was was two points behind the Huskies so I'm thinking okay the three points for the Omaha win St. Cloud game he just doesn't know that, that game is final yet so Omaha just hopped St. Cloud in the standings so that's why I thought just an honest mistake no he doubled down at it like uh, 30 seconds later by going yep Omaha is in second place because Denver and St. Cloud are tied for first like nope that's not exactly how that happens. Although I bet who would be fi- fine with that would be Miami because in that logic, Miami's not in last place. Then Miami would be in seventh place in in that scenario if you have mm-hmm. a tie for first. Uh, so anyway, or tie um, anywhere above you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, so, conference ties. It's just it's weird. But yeah, so I, I mean. And I asked you because I was hoping you'd have an answer. Uh, I don't have an answer either. Um, it's, I think it's just going to kind of obviously come down to, you know, these are teams you should beat. Are you going to be able to beat them? And I just worry that somehow we're going to have a thorn in our side against North Dakota or Minnesota Duluth or something is just going to falter uh, for us down the stretch. And, um, you know, usually I'd be a little bit more worried with Anhorn's injury. Obviously, he's played incredibly well and been a stalwart back there defensively, but I think we got the people to step up um, and take a spot. So it's just, you know, a matter of just getting everything done. But it's, I, I, I want to say that a little bit of edge goes to St. Cloud just because. 
maybe I'm putting Colorado College on a little bit higher of a pedestal than I should. Um, but, you know, those games can be incredibly tricky with that. And at Western, Kalamazoo is obviously a tough place to play. So maybe a little bit of an edge side track here for, for St. Cloud, but it's if it, it, it's not by much. So, but I'm excited to actually see this Minnesota Duluth team. Um, and I know my Minnesota Duluth uh, uh, friends and, you know, they're obviously, uh, you know, talking about this as being kind of a train wreck season for them. You know, just, I mean, basically the big thing is they can't score goals. Um, and they're having just a, a heck of a time trying to get the puck in the net and they don't have the stalwarts there in the back that they've had in the, in previously or to kind of clean up those two to one wins. So, um, just, uh, kind of when you're looking here at this, uh, Minnesota Duluth team, uh, what, uh, what are you kind of looking for? Yeah, I, uh, I agree with those points. I mean, they've, they were kind of offensively st- strapped for goals, even when things are going well for them, but uh, mm-hmm. 16 points for Ben Steves right now leading the team. That's, that's not, that's not a very high number. Uh, just to put that in perspective for St. Cloud, 16 points would be eighth on the Huskies. So, uh, yeah. And as you said, no Fanti, uh, no Shepard or, you know, Cascasuo, the what? line of goalies that they had here, uh, they're no longer there. And where would 16th put them again? I got them at eighth. Cranola, Okabe, Crookshank, I've, and Horn. I've Vietnam. got them at seven. I got because... Peart and Kupka at 17 points each. Yeah, yeah. So obviously they would just both be at six. So seven. I'm doing an Omaha announcer, but there we go. Hey, we got him. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Yes. God. Ah, that's good. That will always be funny. That was a long long setup for that. You've just uh, sealed the deal that we're doing this bit now for for a while. (laughs) Anytime there's a tie in anything. We got to call it Omaha math. Omaha math. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. Uh, Goaltending wise for Duluth, yeah. So it's Stace Gall, who does have ex- you know some experience going back a couple of years here, uh, and they brought in this uh, transfer from Maine, Matthew Tyson, I think is how you're pronouncing it. Spelled the same way as I think our boy Blake Tyson, um, but from the games that I've watched, I believe it's pronounced Tyson. So, who's been the better of the two goalies this year? But uh, his numbers. Tyson's at least kind of sub Krona, if we're using that as a as a par (laughs) uh, right now. Skate calls even worse. I mean, sub 900 save percentage for him, but it's been a pretty even split in the games. 14 games for Tyson, Tyson, 13 for Stayskull. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, splitting action. I wouldn't be surprised if the St. Cloud continues the split. or, or at least that is the game plan this weekend, another sort of split weekend. Or, again, maybe you start with one of them, and if they stand on their head, then they get the second start. I don't I would think I would almost prefer that to be the uh, plan rather than some set-in-stone 
tandem. But, uh, uh, it, you know, it's a, it's a rivalry weekend. This is a, a, a rivalry that's really grown in the NCHC era. Um, and it is always difficult for the Huskies to go up to, to Duluth. Um, sweep is very tough for them. I believe just once in the NCHC era that that has happened, St. Cloud getting a sweep in, in Duluth. I do think, I'm, I'm thinking more than three points for the Huskies this weekend. I, I, feel a, I feel a take care of business type weekend, which might not necessarily mean a sweep, but I think a majority of the points this weekend, I think is, a, is would be a good result for them. Uh, and that's what my intuition is sort of telling me at this point. Sure. Uh, it's, you know, this Duluth team, we've just been waiting for them to wake up, but it just seemingly is not really going to happen this year. Or at least it's not looking so hot for them uh, right now. And you don't want to be the team that uh, wakes them up. Uh, and so let's hope that Huskies can kind of show who's boss here. Uh, and especially, you know, vaulting themselves into first place after this, this Denver weekend, you know, there is that, there is that, um, let down possibility, but I feel like because you're, you're playing Duluth, which is a get up for it weekend. I do think I'm not really worried about that this weekend. I would be if they were no. playing like a CC type team, like they did a couple of weeks ago coming off the Gopher series. But for some reason, I, I do find that um, that playing Duluth will sort of motivate this team naturally. I, I hope that's the case. Um, you know, we always look at special teams. Duluth kind of in a similar boat for St. Cloud. Decent power play, struggling penalty kill. So again. Copy and paste what we said about St. Cloud's special teams last weekend. Copy and paste that for this weekend as well. Uh, yeah, I was actually, when I was looking at everything, I was kind of surprised how much they mirror when when it comes to that power play penalty kill percentage, just kind of like Denver. Um, Huskies took care, took care of the power play against a penalty kill that's just subpar, and that's going to be the key here this weekend as well. Yeah, I was surprised to know how how bad Denver's power play is. Fifty fourth in the country right now at seventy five percent. Obviously, they're gonna want to clean that up uh, if they do want to win the Penrose here. But uh, yeah, I uh, said thinking pretty confidently about this weekend. Do you share my my enthusiasm and confidence uh, about this weekend, or, or what do you what are you feeling about this series? Yeah, it's. You know, Duluth has just, it's just their goal scoring. And I just, I just, they're having so much trouble generating scores. Uh, and us having the defense that we have had uh, over the course of the season, it's, I, I, I just don't see Duluth being able to kind of generate that offense. Talking about uh, Steves, who has, you know, leading their team in, in goals. I think that he's got 12 goals here on the season. Uh, he hasn't scored a goal since uh, December 9th against Denver. So uh, he, he, and he was held pointless um, up until uh, the last game against North Dakota, when he finally tallied a secondary assist on the game winning goal with just two, two minutes left to go. 
So he's kind of, you know, for being the top goal scorer with 12 goals, he, he has not really been productive from the score sheets here as of late. Um, you know, as far as like the conference goes as well for Minnesota Duluth, just kind of looking at their schedule, it's, you know, they were swept at home um, against Denver. And that was two overtime games. So that was two incredibly close games. Um, they lost uh, uh, four to three and three to two, uh, but they were able to split against uh, Western Michigan. They were able to split against Colorado College, um, and uh, they were able to get a split against Omaha with an overtime caveat on it. But you know, they also got swept um, in Wisconsin in the early part of the season as well. So. They know, I think, other than that Wisconsin series, they know how to play at home. And I think uh, maybe that's uh, Sandlin's uh, able to really uh, match up the the, the lines and, uh, you know, kind of play they want the, the, how they want to play and kind of dictate their pace. So the Huskies, you know, really have to kind of get out of that, um, get out of their rhythm, play their game. And I think they're going to be able to do that um but we just need that execution you know to kind of take to take place and take care of our business and not care too much about what minnesota duluth is doing because i think if we get to start playing their type of game i think things are going to unravel quickly and then we're going to lose three to one something along those lines Uh, i do share your sentiment here that uh, we are going to get more than three points though on the weekend and uh you know this is a a series that we have to make a statement again if we're going to keep pursuing here for the top of 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 the conference and you know this is this is the weekend where we we can't drop points i mean we there's not a, a lot of places we can drop points here throughout the rest of the season um cuz i don't think denver is going to drop many either and judging by omaha schedule i don't know if omaha is going to you know that Omaha series there at the uh, second uh, series, second to last series of the season. That's going to be kind of a, a key one, which I've said all season, but for different reasons many times. I don't know; it's weird, but it's uh, definitely going to be a uh, intriguing matchup. But I do really like St. Cloud's uh, chances now. Friend of the show, Dan Jacobson, big Bulldogs fan, did ask um, about boat races this weekend. Um, if, uh, St. Cloud's just going to really take it to, and I don't see that happening at all. (laughs) I don't see, um, us really putting up the, uh, the power numbers, the crooked letters here. And I I just don't see St. Cloud going into Duluth and putting up a five or six or seven or anything along those lines. So I think it's going to be too tightly. You wouldn't be shocked. There'll be one tight one. Like I said, I think there'll be like an overtime game, uh, an overtime result, but. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if there was like a five to one in there for the St. Cloud. Mm. Like uh tight one on Friday, St. Cloud boat race on Saturday. That's what I'm feeling, but that could be way off. Uh I I feel like this team has the ability, St. Cloud I'm talking about, has the ability to smell some blood here. And I think if uh if they can sense that Duluth's vulnerable, uh, I think they can I think they can play with them, toy with them a little bit. So is this going to be a Jackson Caster revenge series? Um, it's a good point. The, the uh, 
Caster came in, obviously, when uh, Rennick went down and uh, last season, and uh, uh, Caster got swept uh, and in the series here so against Minnesota Duluth. Uh, lost 5-2 to two and then 4-3 uh, to three in overtime at St. Cloud State. So, right. um, you know, I guess, are we going back to the normal rotation here? We putting him on the net on Friday, you think? I think yes. I think you go back to the Friday, Saturday. Like I said, I, I I don't like it that it's such a set in stone. Like you have to do it this this day and that, and this guy the next day. Go by how they're playing and Caster coming off the shutout again asterisked, but uh, coming off the shutout, yeah, might as well throw him in there on Friday. And if he throws another shutout, for instance, uh, pop him in there on Saturday as well. Uh, I I wouldn't be against that. I wouldn't be against doing Bassey on Friday and Castro on Saturday as you did this last weekend against Denver either. So, I, again, I, I'm more of a fan of putting the guy in who is playing better rather than thinking five days out in advance, we're going to have this guy on this day and the other guy on this day. But it's been working, and I don't know why they'd listen to me on that. So if they want to <laughs> do that, go ahead, but I would just go by who's playing better. Uh, and maybe at this point, that's uh, that's Caster coming off the shutout. Last time Huskies have scored five in Duluth was back in 2013. And I believe I was at that game. Um, which would have been the last time that they swept him. If you remember yep. that series, uh, St. Cloud played terribly on Friday, but they scored the winner. It was like a half-ice dump-in. I think maybe Brodzinski, Johnny Brodzinski, it's going that, that far back. I believe he was the guy that scored the winner on Friday. Again, it was just a clearing attempt that, that got past Crandall, who St. Cloud really owned him over the years. And then on Saturday, it was a, it was a laugher on Saturday. Um, fun series, not a you, fun drive back, but that's another story. You, you, you were close. You were very close. Oh, it was it not Brodzinski? It was Brodzinski. Um, uh, McNeely was in net. Really? Was Crandall in uh, net the Saturday game? Um, I, I almost remember heckling him that weekend. Yes. Yep. Crandall was in net. Okay. Well, sorry. Sorry, Crandall, for uh, crediting you for giving up the half, the, the half ice dump in. But uh, it was one yep. of the one of the UMD goalies. But. Uh yeah, mid uh Friday you said uh, played terribly. They were outshot thirty eight to nineteen. Really, but yet yeah, they <laughs> still won on the faceoff dot forty four to twenty seven. So I don't know how you win the faceoffs but lose possession right away to give yeah. it to UND to shoot. Faringer, what a weekend he pulled. Good job. Uh, but yes, Johnny Brodzinski. Obviously, I don't have the highlight for the goals, but. He scored two goals though in the third period, and it was a four to two win. Well, trust me that the winner was <laughs> was a uh, uh, a Jeff Frazee special. Oh, gotcha. What's uh, what was special then about the drive home? What happened on the drive home? Oh, was it, it just was like it's big snow? Was it just driving home from Duluth in 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 uh, no, January? No, like coming coming out of the parking lot of the hotel, like I popped a tire. 
So I had to like oh, get geez. a I had to like get a tire a new tire or maybe a tire patch or something. It was a whole process. It was a disaster actually. But uh, it seems like every time you go up to Duluth, it's just it's, it's. I think in the entire NCHC era, it's like they've always played this series in January. Other yeah. than like last year, I think they've moved it now or they'll switch. They'll switch off who plays the last series of the year. That's always going to be against the conference rival. So last year they played the last series of the year in Duluth, which would have been early March. But um, for the most part, it's been uh, the, like I think I've been there three times for series, and it's always been like this last weekend in January or the second week in January, something like that. And so it's always cold. It's always snow. You know, it's always snowing going up there. The travel's a little <laughs> hairy. So that's kind of how I think of Duluth uh, road trips, but um, always that's a fair. fun, always a fun time up there too. I'm, I do miss it, even though I've got some, uh, I've got some not so fun stories from there. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a good series, a good road trip. If you're making the trip, do have fun and stay warm. I'm sure it's going to be a little nippy, but. Uh, and hope for some, good, that some good results. Some good results here for the Huskies this weekend. Um, so, switching over, um, did you want to recap any other games? Um, go right to sinkers and floaters. Where, what do you want to do? Uh, well, I think we've kind of talked about, as far as just the conference games, um, you know, Omaha sweeping Miami, kind of them taking care of business. Uh, which is important for them. Western Michigan kind of doing a, a take care of business weekend in CC, sweeping the Tigers. And then we've you know, mentioned North Dakota and, and North uh, in Duluth splitting, which is kind of like, the way that those two teams is season. No one gets off the mat with a sweep in that series. <laughs> right. So still North Dakota at seventh in the conference and Duluth uh, still at six. Uh, and again, the the separation is widening in the standings. You know, now it's nine points, nine points. The separate nine points, nine, nine, nine. Separate Duluth and Western Michigan, who's got the the fourth and final home ice spot right now. So, uh, nine point gap, three the the difference of three games. So basically, you got a three game lead there between home ice and. At least that's from Duluth's perspective. You got a three-game gap to make up, and that's—I mean—they still got a Duluth or a, a series with uh, Western Michigan in Duluth coming up here. It's possible, but uh, it's looking less and less likely, um, especially with North Dakota being done with North, uh, done with Western Michigan this year, and they're ten points behind them. So, really looking like um, I, this top four. I think is going to be what the top four is going to end up. I don't know about the order necessarily, but we've mentioned this year the fact that Omaha and Western are only playing St. Cloud and Denver one time each is a big boon to those teams mm-hmm. as far as that's it, it means an easier schedule for those two teams. So, you know, Colorado College, who's just five points out of home ice at fourth. As we mentioned, they've still got four games against Denver to go, and and a series with Omaha as well. So their their schedule is pretty tough uh, down the stretch here. Duluth, we mentioned, they've got a De- Denver series and then two with St. Cloud. North Dakota's got a series each with De- with De- uh, with Denver and, and St. Cloud as well. So 
the schedule advantage, I think, goes in favor of Omaha and Western, uh, which I think bodes well for them hanging on to those spots. So um, we are finally getting some separation from the pack here. And is it is it to the, I mean, we've been dogging on both Duluth, no pun intended, Duluth and North Dakota all year. Is are those teams that you really want to see in the playoffs in, in a no. playoff series? Um, Which again is ironic because we lost to Miami, but like that's why I think I'm so concerned about you know the Penrose and chasing and just getting that top seed is because I would feel so much better even though we've lost to Miami also previously at home <laughs> in the playoffs, but still I would feel better you know uh, going up against Miami. Uh, than going up against the Minnesota Duluth or North Dakota in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. That, that, that just sounds like a recipe for disaster for me. Yeah. Yeah. That is the big prize. Uh, you know, this would be, you know, St. Cloud's already won the, the Penrose three times. So it wouldn't be new for them to, to add the, a fourth Penrose. But I think the biggest prize there is being able to avoid a potential sneaky first round opponent. Uh, with uh, Duluth or North Dakota as well. So, yeah, things are uh, getting interesting here uh, in the NCHC. Uh, and this weekend, you know, obviously you talked about St. Cloud and Duluth, talked about Denver and CC. That's just a single game. They're splitting up this first home and home over the next two weekends. So it's just the Ball Arena game this weekend, and then they'll play the CC home game next weekend just as a single game. Kind of a scheduling quirk there. Um, but then you've also got... Uh, Omaha, who's going to go to Western Michigan, should be an interesting series. Just two points separate those two teams um, uh, in the standings. And then you've got North Dakota and Miami, the toilet bowl there, seven versus eight. Uh, And again, another chance for Dakota to wake up. Um, And one of those games is nationally televised. So maybe they can uh, face plant... um, in front of the CBS Sports Network watching audience. We shall see. Mm. But uh, any comment on any of the action from the NCHC, either this past weekend or, or upcoming? Um, I'm really excited to, to watch a little bit of that uh, Omaha-Western Michigan game. Uh, happy that, you know, it'll be on a little bit earlier, so I'll be able to catch that um, at least the first period, um, you know, being in the Eastern time zone. But... That's uh that that's one I'm gonna look at. Western Michigan still has been able to just keep popping in goals. Um, you know, so it's you know, I, I don't again, I still don't know what to make of this Omaha team, and I think this is gonna be a good test uh for them in, in many ways. And yeah, I'll keep kind of an eye on that uh Denver, Colorado College. No interest in watching Miami and North Dakota. So but um, you know, just if we want to go, you know, the big, the big change here for the sinkers and floaters here. I want to start out with floaters right now, and usually I don't start up this high in the pairwise, but I do want to talk about since we are a St. Cloud State pod, podcast. You know, we go from five up to two uh, there in the pairwise, just behind Minnesota. Why am I bringing that up right now? Basically, with North Dakota probably not going to be in the mix. If Minnesota and St. Cloud State are in the same tier, only one of those teams is going to go to Fargo. Correct. Um, and that kind of looms how big that 
loss tie <laughs> or you know you know that that three on three if we just dump it to the corner and you know or just run out the the, the remaining you know 30 some seconds or so of that game against minnesota that flips that comparison we're talking about being in fargo the closer regional minnesota has to travel to another regional um or if the ncaa counted the head-to-head properly in pairwise as i ranted about after that series mm-hmm. Um, yep. that that too yep exactly so now if something happens where we drop down to the second tier i think that's kind of a no-brainer that it'll probably do that unless they want to go strict bracket integrity which they have done in the past um who knows but um that's just uh you know for me looking at the pairwise just kind of thinking fargo do we want fargo um considering last yeah. time when we played aic there it was a very unreliable rank it had bad ice they it was, you know, maybe that's something we don't want to go. Maybe we want to go out east and get rid of all of the distractions of being close to home. I, I think you want the dead regional. Um, and it's interesting how the top four right now, Minnesota at one, St. Cloud at two, Penn State at three, Quinnipiac at four. Ooh, uh, rough weekend for them, too. Jeez. That's a... Uh, that's a kind of a nice tidy gift for the committee because that's very easy work at assigning those regionals. Number one seed will they'll protect them and keep them closest to home. So the Gophers will go to Fargo. You have to put Penn State in Allentown because they're the mm-hmm. host, so they would go there. Quinnipiac would go to the Bridgeport Regional because they're literally right next door, so they would go to Bridgeport, and so that would leave St. Cloud and Manchester, which will be the dead regional anyway, uh, and. They had good success at the Dead Regional in Albany uh, a couple years ago, and uh, I like the Dead Regional. I don't want to go to I don't want to go to Fargo, even though I don't think that if Dakota doesn't make it, it'll definitely be deader than if Dakota had made it. But you're still going to have some you know D bag UND fans cheering against St. Cloud if they were to make it. So it's just like let's go to the one that's got literally 300 people in the stands uh, and take our chances there. I, I like that idea better. Okay, um, sure. But it's just interesting how it would be very easy right now. There would be no sort of the the committee could do that in their sleep. Uh, it's maybe it's probably not going to be that easy on selection day. But as it stands right now, and I do think there's a good chance that these four teams end up as the top as the number one seeds. If it does, if it does end up like like if if Quinnipiac's a one seed, they're going to Bridgeport, like no matter yep. what. Um, and so, and obviously with Penn State, they have to go to Allentown. Uh, they will be in Allentown no matter where, what their seed is. So there are some easy options here for the committee, and I and from St. Cloud's perspective, I would not mind going out east at all. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, and that one seed, as you said. Uh, Minnesota's got a pretty sizable lead in the RPI right now uh, over yeah. St. Cloud. Let's just looking at them. I mean, they they went to two overtime games with Michigan this weekend. They only they have not lost a regulation game this year uh, against a team outside a current tournament eligible team. Like their so their worst regulation loss is to number fourteen Mankato right now. They have an overtime loss to Arizona State. And an overtime loss to North Dakota. Both of those teams are outside the top 15. But no regulation losses to anyone outside that, which is very impressive. So their RPI edge is going to be pretty tough to beat. Um, 
So and who else? And they don't play anyone. I mean, like outside of that range, other than Wisconsin. Uh, other than Wisconsin, because right? at this because point, with uh, with Michigan Nord- State's at thirteen, Notre well, with- Dame, I guess, is at fifteen. I don't, yeah, I don't, that's- I don't have their schedule right in front of me. I'm just looking at Big Ten right now. So, well, they, yeah, Minnesota's only got Big Ten schedule left, and yeah. they they play Wisconsin. That'll be their only team outside because right now, Notre Dame at fifteen, six Big Ten teams right now are in the top fifteen. However. We have a Wisconsin rule alert. Wisconsin rule. We need like <laughs> My a favorite. Sound, we need a sound effect. We need like uh, cows mooing in the background or something. Uh, because you right know, now the the guy who does the um, or who did the NBA Jam like voiceovers, I think you could like hire him for like fifty bucks. And I think I, I think we should do that. And we, you know, if 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 you guys want to donate to my Venmo, go ahead and do that, and so we can get the sound effect of him just saying something like "Wisconsin rule" or something like that. I think that would just be hilarious. But because I agree, we, we can need, work on that. I don't know. If we need so- to, to hire him. I can. I can maybe. Because I want the I want cows mooing in the background for some reason. Um, maybe that'd be like. <laughs> so I'll 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 see and if I can. And I don't know why, do but we need a beer there. bottle smashing too. <laughs> Could be that. There's a lot. Need, yeah. Maybe some sure. spotted cow like <laughs> smash. But anyway, I'm it, sorry. It Go ahead. Good. Wisconsin. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> which for those who are for the uninitiated, uh, the Wisconsin rule was put in effect after the 2008. Wisconsin Badgers made the tournament as an at-large team and were had an under 500 record. So the NCAA said, after that season, you cannot be an at-large team in the field with an under 500 record. And right now, Notre Dame, 11, 12, and 3, uh, but yet sitting at 15 in the pairwise. But uh, if the season ended today, they would not be eligible for the tournament because of their sub-500 record. And as far as I know, overtime results, that just feeds into the overall record. Overtime results are not treated differently in that overall record is what how they would determine if someone is uh, Wisconsin out or not. So it's insane, I'll say, that six teams out of a seven-team league uh, are in the top 15. Um, yes. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, and and how much I've said about how I'm not impressed at all with Notre Dame. The fact that they're in this conference and the conference is, has done so well this year. That's really the only, that's how the Wisconsin rule, If it, and it has, it has never been applied in the 15 years since it was instituted. There has not been an opportunity to, to disqualify a team because of a sub-500 record. We've come uh, and close. qualifying for yeah we've we've come close we had a, we we were watching it last year with uh with Minnesota Duluth with the Bulldogs uh, right? the the Huskies actually were in a similar spot when the see when the, when the Wisconsin rules ever going to be applied or when it's a possibility of being applied is when a conference has such a great season as the Big Ten is this year similar when the Huskies made the tournament as the, when they finished sixth place in the 2014, 2015 season, uh, they went into the conference playoffs that year under 500 swept Omaha and then won a game in the tournament in, in the target center at that point. 
And then ended up being, I believe, either the ninth or the tenth overall seed. That was the year they beat Michigan Tech uh, in the tournament. But they were under 500. I don't know what their pairwise position there prior to that Omaha playoff series was, but obviously they would not have been able to to qualify for the tournament with that under 500 record. So they are they were in that position of being, you know, a sixth place team in an eight team league. Uh, getting in with basically a one game over 500 record and uh, they actually won a game in the NCAA tournament that year. So that's really when it's ever going to be uh, applied is would be a year like this. Uh, and with the conference, like how the big 10 has done this year. And I do think there's a, there was a decent chance if I, I think I, cause Notre Dame does not impress me. They, like I said, they have only had one winning streak over one game this year. And that was back in October. It's been Splitsville basically every weekend for them. And, you know, they got Wisconsin at home this weekend. They lost to them earlier this this month. Um, you know, to finish out with at Michigan State, then hosting Ohio State, then at Michigan. I don't see this team going on like a big run. I, I do think it's going to be largely win one, lose one. Maybe some ties thrown in there. Uh, but... How it was this this last weekend, they were able to move up. Do you know how many spots they moved up this weekend? Do you have that info? I know they yes. were able to move. I'm sorry, who? Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame uh, moved up three spots. Moved up three they spots with, with, a split, goals, yeah. with, with, with a split at Penn State. Obviously, Penn, Penn State. State's pretty good. It's right, you know, they're third in the pairwise. So, but, you know, a split losing, losing Saturday will still, you know, have you go up three spots. So they're in that league where uh, every team you play in that conference, the pairwise thinks is very, very good. So because of that, they're going to have the number one, they're going to have the toughest schedule in the, in the country, uh, according to computers. And that's really what's helping them right now. And the fact that they're able to at least split weekends. I mean, I said, it's not impressive that they haven't had a winning streak here, but on the other hand, they haven't had a big losing streak either. But they've been able to tread water. They are the one game below 500 right now, and it's interesting. So I, I, uh, I think we got a decent chance here that this is going to come into effect come come Selection Sunday. So maybe we'll uh, we'll keep you updated on the uh, Wisconsin rule alert here in the next mm-hmm. few weeks. Um, that uh, in 2015, St. Cloud at the beginning of March was at 17 in the pairwise. Um, and then, um, just before the Omaha series, they were at 16 and they were seven or there were 16, 17 and one. Yeah. So probably was not a possibility for them to be in the top 15 with an under 500 record. Like the fact that they won those games is what Mm -hmm. vaulted them into position. So, and then, and then, yeah. So then we ended up 12th, uh, finishing at 19, 18 and one. Okay. Michigan Tech yeah. was seventh. Yeah, for, yeah, I thought I knew that. I I just thought there were seven ten, but obviously some years they just don't go by strict bracket integrity, yeah. so that yeah. makes sense. Um, that year, um, was, um, Minnesota State was the top pairwise. That's right. And it went straight. It went straight one through fifteen, and then the Atlantic Hockey Championship was RIT. Who then beat Mankato? And who beat Mankato in one of the most bonkers games, I think, in any 
Was that it? Was that at Mariucci? Now I can't no, remember. It was, at, it was at Notre Dame. Speak of the devil. Was that, who, oh, was it? It was like got the only on-campus regional in like the last fifteen years. It was because Notre Dame was the only one to bid. Remember that would that was the big talking point. Like you just got to put mm-hmm. in a bid. At least Notre Dame didn't make the tournament that year, um, but it was at their campus facility. Uh, That's right. That's right. Why am I thinking? I, and that I mean, uh, that RIT win age. sort of that sort of paved the way for Omaha to make their Frozen Four, which is just a cheesy Frozen Four appearance, <laughs> if you ask me. Beating Harvard and then RIT. Uh, every once in a while, not not all Frozen Fours, not all Frozen Fours are created equal. Well, you had Bemidji's Frozen Four, Frozen four in there too. At least they beat, like I think Notre Dame. God, we keep bringing them up, yeah. but I think Notre Dame well, was, was Notre a, Dame they were loses the one seed a lot. That they beat. Yeah, yes, <laughs> or yeah, or hosts uh, regionals that they don't qualify for. So. Yeah. Uh, speaking of RIT, they jumped five spots up to seventeen. Yeah. Um. After after their weekend and uh, but, you know, kind of the big one that I want to talk about maybe a little bit is uh, Cornell, um, who was really on the bubble sitting at 14 going into the week, um, you know, escaped the week here, uh, jumping up four spots to 10th in the pairwise. Um, with, um, you know, I talked a little bit about Quinnipiac dropping Cornell for nothing over Quinnipiac and. Um, Quinnipiac followed that up with just an egg against Colgate, um, who is not very good. Um, so, you know, with the Charmin schedule that Quinnipiac has the rest of the way, um, facing just god awful competition, dropping too, uh, like they have when they've looked like they're just rolling throughout the season. Um, obviously, not in danger of them <laughs> dropping the tournament spot or anything like that, but. You know, maybe some cracks there in the uh, in the armor for Quinnipiac. That's right. Now they have they have Harvard next week, and Harvard's decent. They're they would be a tournament team right now. They play them at Harvard February third, and then they're playing this weekend. They're playing their Connecticut in-state tournament, uh, which they're actually hosting at Quinnipiac's facility, which is interesting. Uh, I believe last year was the first year they did it, and I think thought that was at a neutral site, Bridgeport, I believe, which is where they're uh, hosting a regional this year. Um, I, I'm wondering if, if they want to continue this tournament. Maybe it's going to be a roving. It goes from school to school to host it, which would kind of be cool, but at least this year, Quinnipiac is hosting really? it. And- an all-state team tournament. <laughs> what a, What an idea. Huh. Makes it easy for Quinnipiac because they only have four teams, so that just makes it nice and nice and easy with the math. In Minnesota, you got you got a little a few extra teams than there, so it's tougher to make a weekend tournament out of it, I suppose. But uh, there is a chance they're playing Sacred Heart on Friday. Quinnipiac is, but um, if UConn is able to handle Yale, um, which I know UConn's been struggling, but uh, uh, their struggles are. Uh, nothing like Yale's season-long struggles. And if Quinnipiac uh, handles Sacred Heart, then Quinnipiac would play UConn, which is not a terrible opponent either. So they got two games, I would say. Two two opponents of their last 10 or so uh, are, are decent. The rest are uh, not good. Um, but um, I'm not actually surprised with the, that Colgate loss, that they didn't drop even further. 
But I guess being 17-1-3 and three or whatever it was coming into the weekend uh, built you some equity, uh, I suppose. So, yeah, hanging and on I at mean, four. Right after that, it's Denver, who got swept. Um, and then BU, who kind of just has been steadily making the climb. They've been impressive. Uh, they've been impressive. But, I mean, scoring, yeah, okay, maybe, scoring maybe, bunches maybe, of goals. Maybe not making the climb here, but they've been incredibly consistent. Scoring yeah. a lot of goals. They are now 1-1 uh, one and one this season in 9-6 to six games. Oh, there we go. They beat Maine 9 to 6 on Saturday and that makes up for their 9 to 6 loss earlier this year to BC. Mm. It was very strange. Um yeah, looking yeah. historically at the pairwise here for BU starting on December 5th, 7th, 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 8th, 7th and now um here this week they were uh able to move up to 6th. So Incredibly consistent, uh, just kind of hanging around in that spot. And with um, you know, with Notre Dame's rise, and because of that, UConn, who we've talked about their struggles, Merrimack officially now with their getting swept versus Northeastern out of the top fifteen, continuing their their long. I mean, they were at six, I believe, is where they. Or I think they were at third actually. Probably was their high water bark, like in early December, I'm going to say. Uh, now down to 18, um, which means that BU, the only Hockey East team right now in the top 15, which, again, conference at early in the season looked like they were doing very well. Just the one team right now would be uh, would, would qualify. So... Uh, I would expect in, I would expect some other some other at least one hockey's team to replace one or more of these Big Ten teams. Um, Michigan State, Notre Dame, as we've mentioned, you still got a clump of teams of uh, in the possibility there. UConn, Merrimack, Providence, Lowell is kind of rebounded after the, that Anchorage sweep. Northeastern's been playing really well of late after they really dug themselves a hole. And actually, Northeastern at 24th in pairwise is, is number one in the Hockey East standings, which is weird. Um, but uh, so there is definitely a, a slew of teams within uh, close range. But um, as, as at this point, just a one team league right now. It's just interesting how, how that narrative is completely flipped just in the, in the course of a, a few months. Miramac at Christmas was third in the pairwise. Yeah, it's uh, I think just one win in the last eight games, something like that. Uh, which is yeah, yeah. which is bad enough. They are but... they are my top. They're my top sinker where they dropped seven spots this week. Wow. Yeah, I mean the the losses themselves are troubling, but what's more troubling is these results: six to one, six to two, eight to three, five to one. You know, there, there was a couple of tight, you know, just lost one nothing this last Saturday to, to Northeastern. But a lot of these games, are, they're not coming close. They're getting, kind of getting their ass kicked. So mm-hmm. not boding well for Merrimack, uh, who's got Vermont this weekend. Vermont's not good, but Vermont gave BC a, a run for their money this weekend too. So certainly not a pushover. Um, we'll see if they can right the ship.
Uh, a couple others that dropped. Providence dropped a few spots. Um, they were hitting the the bubble at 16 last week. They're down to 20th now, uh, dropping four. BC dropped six spots over the weekend. So it's, um, you know, that's kind of what we're looking at for sinkers and floaters here throughout, uh, throughout college hockey and uh, what we're looking at as the uh, tournament pictures kind of starting to starting to get maybe a little bit clearer um in some spots a little bit murkier in others so it's gonna be a lot of fun kind of seeing what's gonna happen with some of these connecticut's rits will will we get the wisconsin rule for notre dame so you know looking up here like you said at the big 10 we got minnesota at one penn state at three ohio state at seven michigan at eight those four to me are locks um can't imagine Michigan or Ohio State dropping that much. It's like you said, especially the conference. Right. Um, Michigan State uh sitting at thirteen, uh Notre Dame at fifteen, with Notre Dame, you know, kind of on the fringe there in wins and losses. Again, I keep going back to Michigan State. I in our in our pre or in our prediction show a few weeks ago, I did say that I think they were going to make it and squeak in. I'm feeling less confident about that now. Uh, I don't think they have got the wins um, left in there. So if I put the over under right now, four and a half for team Big Ten teams in the tournament, are you going over or under? Mm, I'll go under. I'll go Cause, four. Because you'll go four. Because I, I, I just don't see Michigan State or Notre Dame winning the tournament. I definitely don't see Wisconsin doing anything. So Yeah, yeah so Michigan State's got Minnesota this weekend. The Gophers, and that's at Minnesota. Gophers thumped Michigan State pretty handily in East Lansing in December. I can't imagine Michigan State winning a game there. I, I would be curious if they get swept, how much that hurts them. Like, based on how jacked up the strength of schedule is for Big Ten teams, I could imagine them, like, they, they lose two games and they drop one spot, you know, something like that. Like, I, I'd be curious to know what how that hurts them. But, uh, and it'd be interesting how Wisconsin plays a role here. Like, we saw them, they've been playing better of late. Saw them win a game uh, against Ohio State this last weekend. Um, and... Splitting with Notre Dame, as I mentioned, uh, who that was a couple of weeks ago, and they've got them again at Notre Dame this weekend. They could really play the spoiler here. I mean, they've got series against Notre Dame and Michigan State coming down the stretch here, and those those will be the most important games mm-hmm. for those teams on the bubble because they'll they'll need every win they can at that point. And and Wisconsin's in the position where they can sink them more than losses to say Minnesota will. So. All these teams really are, are going to be in battles down the stretch here, but I will. I yeah, I do think that the Notre Dame, the possibility of them not being over five hundred, is is a decent chance of that happening. Uh, and so I, I'm not confident, and I'm just not confident watching them. I did watch most of their game against Penn State on Saturday, and just never come away watching them being very blown away. And uh, watch less of Michigan state, but in, in a similar vein, I'm not terribly impressed with them either. So 
I am kind of waiting for them to fall off. What what uh, are you going above uh, 4.5 or you you with me at four? Well, I just ran the customize, and obviously, huge grain of salt has to be put into this because of all other games need to go. Yeah, I, I wouldn't you know. even. I don't, I don't even like doing it if if you're just doing isolated games like this. It's it's not going to come out accurate at all. Like, I mean, need, it's not going to come out accurate, but I mean, I mean, seeing them drop to 17th, I think is interesting if, if Minnesota sweeps the series. We'll see if that's the case if when whenever when all the other results are in, too, though, like I, I don't trust that just just going isolated like that. But it's uh, I mean, well, they stay should, tuned they should next drop. week, friends. Yeah, <laughs> they should drop. Uh uh, they're not going to rise like that. That's that's when, you know, the pairwise and the RPI's got some <laughs> fixing to do. Like Michigan State gets gets swept, but they're up to 12. They're up to 12. So. But. All right. Let's, and you did. Uh, I just wanted to mention, too, you you met you, you mentioned RIT, which I mean, at 17, it is the uh, another rarity. It's not as rare as the uh, Wisconsin rule, uh, but uh, it is the rare occasion that an Atlantic hockey team can not be the, the 16th seed in the tournament. Um, it's possible. I mean, if, if they with playing in Atlantic hockey though, any loss to those teams is going to affect you negatively. Uh, you know, it, it's going to drop you more than if Michigan state loses to the Gophers, let's say, you know, if RIT loses a game to Bentley, that's going to be worse for them. But if they run the table or come close to it, this could be a 2013 Niagara situation or a 2017 Air Force situation. Air Force was a three seed that year, um, which I think Niagara might have been two. So there's been a couple of times where, where Atlantic Hockey has had not fourth seeds in the tournament. And we'll... Um, it's interesting, uh, you know, seventeen or seventeen and six right now for for RIT. It's, um, it's had a very good season this year, but obviously, being in Atlantic hockey, there's always going to be skeptics, and uh, uh, we'll see if they make that interesting. Because it's always like when we're trying to do tournament predictions or or predicting the field, it's like you just put the Atlantic team as the sixteenth seed playing the number one overall seed. Seems to be kind of a a, a shoe in every year. But uh, this year, RIT might make it interesting. So I did want to I did want to mention that because their their rise into the teens here is uh, I think worth noting. I'm trying to see where their best win pairwise wise is. Oh, that's a terrible sentence. Um, I'm just kind of seeing, and I think it might be against. American International, Princeton. Okay, they beat Princeton at thirty-five. Oh, geez, Sacred Heart at thirty. Okay, we're getting warmer. Yeah, I mean, I think is Niagara in the twenties. Who's the second highest Atlantic hockey team? Uh, Niagara's at thirty-nine. So, so Sacred be, Heart. Sacred Heart. Yeah. So that, yeah, that would they be their, that would be their best win this year. And they haven't played Niagara yet, I don't think. That's right. 
they play them later uh, yep. later this year. Yeah, so, I mean it's it's I mean, it's been it's, a uh, quantity rather than quality for them, but pairwise in RPI they love wins more than anything, and so that's true. Possible. I do wonder. I'm just going to quickly use the customizer and just flip one of the results against Penn State and just see where that ends up. I, I like this game. I, I'm going to say like I, 15. Do Flip their home game. Jeez. 12. Really? <laughs> yeah. I would have jumped them up to 12. But they didn't win. But they Penn didn't. State. So, so, but yeah, it's Big Ten, man. Uh, it's uh, supercharged this year. All right. Let's uh, hop over to questions. Um, obviously, we talked a little bit about uh, Dan Jacobson. Any boat races coming this weekend um, in Duluth? I don't see it. Um, Kirby Wilcox, uh, hashtag horny for Hobie, uh, for Anhorn. And uh, so we can Bad either time. put a pause on that, hopefully for next uh, for next season, or we just go with it and say, screw it. He's been so good. Right. It's worth it. Um, I actually was going to bring him up, too, thinking that that's probably our best chance for a Hobie hat trick. I would have um, agreed. Would be, would be Anhorn. And so that's kind of up in, up in flames, and I don't think Cronwell is going to have it. So I would tend to um, agree with that. I, maybe the top 10, you know, when they narrow it down to the 10. Oh, yeah. Possibly. Yeah, probably like probably that, but I don't I don't think it's there's too many uh stalwarts up there for for it and he doesn't have the the story that uh LeBlanc did when he won in his, in 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 uh 2013 so well, maybe um, he gets 4 points a game the rest of the way out that would help that, that would help that, that would help his resume yeah uh how about these goalies uh Alex Fern how about these goalies yeah um it's I'm happy with the, the situation we're in and, um, you know, switching over a little bit to uh, kind of tying into that as well. Uh, Jeffrey Wood asked about, uh, has there ever been a college hockey national champion with a two goalie platoon system? So kind of the same system that we have um, right now. So, you know, obviously our, you know, research only goes back about 20 years or so at our fingertips. Um, everything more than that takes a lot more internet sleuthing and trying to find box scores. And I don't know, maybe dig up newspapers, I guess, is what we could do. Go to the microfilm and, and take a look at everything. But, um, you know, if I go just by games played, you know, what jumps out to me is 2021 UMass. Um, where you had Lindbergh and uh, Matt Murray, and they essentially played the same number of games. Now, um, that was a little bit different because I think injuries kind of played a little bit of a role in that, so they didn't have like a Friday-Saturday type system. So it's not really platoon, but it went into sharing time, so I thought it would have been nice to at least bring it up 
but they did essentially ride one throughout the tournament. Um, you know, with except for uh, Murray played in the semifinal, and then uh, Limber shut out the Huskies, and I don't want to talk about that game. Um, so, um, but as far as kind of a platoon system, um, I I don't know if there's another one that kind of jumps out to your mind, um, but you know the difference also with UMass is that they had that competition, you know, years before as well. So they've been kind of building up to that. So it wasn't a new thing that they were splitting time in the, uh, 2020, season, obviously COVID through a wrench, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, you know, just what I'm trying to say is that obviously having two goalies, um, as, uh, you know, being able to step in, uh, I think we hopefully learned our lesson, um, with that, with uh, Rennick going down. So I think we're in a much better position here this year, just in case something were to happen. Um, but uh, getting to the question at hand, uh, any uh, kind of team jump into your mind about a two goalie system? I can't really think of one. So I don't know. What do you have? It's a good question because I, I've been curious about this as well. So I've been, few months ago i was doing some some research into this uh and did find a couple of examples of goalie tandems for national title winning teams uh, it's interesting though that so i've got and we were talking about uh, earlier in the show it's it's just a struggle and you were talking about current box scores being unavailable doing research for college hockey related topics can be very frustrating because there's no, I mean, college hockey stats was a nice repository for that, but that only went, you know, I had about maybe a 20 year span of, mm-hmm. uh, of, I think it was like 99 to 2021, I think is their span of where they, and yeah. then, well, if you have it sometime in that time period, you're in luck because you can find basically any box score that you want. But prior to that, or even now, like somehow like the current modern day is worse than years ago uh, uh, online, which is weird. But so research stuff re- prior. To just 99. don't reach out to college hockey news right. or USCHO about it because they'll just say, Nope, not our fault. And just move on. <laughs> so it is frustrating, They're but, um, but so I did come across so Denver's uh, second of their back-to-backs in 04-05. They wanted no 304, and then that was with Adam Burkle as their main as their main starter. If you remember, like the only thing I really remember about that title game from that team was the six on three to end the game uh, yep. versus Maine uh, that, that Burkle and Denver were able to stave off. So they wanted that year with him as their main goalie, but that he graduated. And so they, in that following year, they used a tandem of Glenn Fisher and Peter Menino. And they, oh, I went yes. to, I went through their, their, this again, I, I'm not perfect. I'm trying to do some, some looking on the, on the fly here, uh, dusting off, or knocking off some dust in my brain here to, remember the specifics here but uh that one was essentially it wasn't a set one guy's got friday one guy's got saturday but on 
every weekend of the regular season where they played two games. There was a couple of weekends they only played single games. Obviously, both goalies weren't going to get starts in a single game weekend. But every weekend that they had two games, they would flip-flop. It wouldn't be a set sort of, you know, one guy's got Friday, one guy's got Saturday. But uh, one, you know, Fish, either Fisher or Menino would start either game, and they would flip-flop throughout the year. And towards the end of the year, it became more set, where it was Fisher on Friday, Menino on Saturday. That was the case throughout the WCHA playoffs, where they still rotated. Is even the case in the regional that they played. Fisher got the first game, Menino got the second game. The only time that year that they did not use the tandem was the Frozen Four, where they gave Menino both starts. Uh, and that was was first, that the that was the All WCHA for that was four. the All WCHA Frozen Four. Maybe that played a part in it. Maybe, yeah, it's possible. Maybe Menino had great numbers against. They were played CC and North Dakota in those games. Um, I would have to look to see how well he played against those teams. But my hunch is that they just, you know, Guazdecki wants to ride the hot goalie in that Frozen Four. I'm not sure, but so it's just interesting that they were riding a a tandem all year and then broke it uh, at the Frozen Four. Uh, I also looked at. Uh, North Dakota's two national titles in 97 and 2000 wasn't exactly a main, a, a, a even split in the 2000 year. Um, but this was Carl Gehring and Andy Kolar. Uh, Gehring got 30 starts or, or played in 30 games, Kolar 15. So like a two to one split for Gehring. But that was a year where it was a 12 team field and higher seeds just basically got a buy in the first round. So they only played three games in the NCAA tournament. They only had to play one game in the regional to go to the Frozen Four. That regional game was started by Kolar, but then both games in the Frozen Four, Carl Gehring was, was, was the starter. And then the only one that I remember, this one I could not get box score verification for, but uh, the 92-93 main team, which we've mentioned on the podcast recently, they went 42-1 and that year and a couple of ties. They were uh, just, all right. They were all right. Paul Correa won the Hobie as a, as a freshman. Um, he was all right. They were using a, a goalie tandem. Uh, the game split, I think, was either one or two games off. Like It was like 25-23 to 23 split between Mike Dunham and Garth Snow both goalies who would go on to NHL careers. Um, and I cannot verify what the goal, how they were using goalies in the tournament. I know that the title game against Lake State, Dunham started and was pulled in the second period, or maybe even going into the third, maybe between the second and the third. But Snow replaced Dunham in the title game, and Maine ended up coming back to win. Uh, they were down two goals going into the third period. Do you know who scored the hat trick? Natural hat trick in the third period to win the game for Maine. Do you know who would have scored that? Montgomery. Very good. Current uh, head coach of the uh, Boston Bruins, Jim Montgomery. So, the, but who that also was has had a pretty good yeah. season. <laughs> he did. He, he's had a good season, and he had a good career with Maine. I think he had almost 300 points in his career. A decent yeah. year, a decent career for him at the college level. Um, but. Again, I can't verify whether Dunham was getting the previous starts in that tournament, if they were riding him, or if they were also flip, you know, rotating with him and Snow in the tournament as well prior to that title game. So 
But during the regular season, at least, they got basically an even split of, of time as well. So um, it has happened before. It's not completely unheard of. Um, and I'm sure there's times before, you know, in the 80s, 70s, and back in the Stone Age where goalie tandems maybe were more, were more common. Um, so it's not, it's not completely uh, unheard of. But from what I, what's interesting to me is how, like in that Denver situation, they broke the tandem at the Frozen Four. I, I, and I'm wondering if that's a hockey-like thing. Like in the playoffs, you got to ride your hot goalie. I, I, I don't know why that wouldn't apply to the regional as well. Um, but, you know, so Gwazdecki does the rotation in the regional, but he doesn't do it the Frozen Four. Weird. But uh, so I can't end. Well, I think, yeah. I think maybe that's something where we can look back at the – the stats and maybe just because who did they play? It was you said it was CC and the and the semifinal, and, and then, then it was North Dakota in the title game. And North Dakota in the title game. So I wonder, you know, you probably had something to do with that. Um, so Gary and Kolar they split in the two thousand. That was the ninety nine two thousand season. Yes. Okay, uh, because they also split in the two thousand two thousand right, one. Right. Because in the final, they didn't five, win the they didn't win the national title that year. They no, were the runner up, right. but yeah, but St. Cloud, right? Kohler um, got to start that game. Kohler got to start that game. Gary got to start previous game. So they 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 got the kept the rotation going on for the next year then as well. And their ninety seven team, which I mentioned too, they when I was looking at their. Uh, their stats. I'm going to pull them up now because they were also they, their goalies had a, an even split as well. Um, I'm blanking on blanking on the name here. I'm trying to find it, but uh, but may, maybe that was a Blaze thing. Like he he liked to cycle in uh, goaltenders. Um, that year would have been oh Aaron Schweitzer, who I was familiar with. I, that that name rings a bell at least. The other one, Toby Cavellavog. I don't know. They both got twenty-something games that year. Um, so uh, that that name is is an interesting one. And still, like in college hockey news, like they don't have goalie stats; they just have the number of games played. So I'm only guessing there. Maybe maybe this other Cavellavog, uh, if that's how you pronounce it, which I hope it's not, um, based on how I'm saying it. <laughs> But uh, maybe he was just, I don't know, he was thrown in there for a minute or two at a time. I, I obviously doubt it. But uh, so both of those, both of those uh, teams that won a, a natty uh, did not have a, a, you know, like a, a, a set starter. Um, even though, like I said, Gehring got two, you know, two, two games to Kolar's one, at least in that 2000 season. Um, and it's... Uh, yeah, it's interesting too. Like, um, where was it? It was. I go ahead. I was just gonna say uh, back to that uh, Pioneers team because we're just hopping now back and forth oh, yeah. as we're oh, yeah. live doing these stats. Um, so yeah, so to break up the rotation against Colorado College, which again Sterling Surdich, that right. that team was so good. Um, earlier in that season, Friday game, uh, Fisher starts. Uh, Denver win or Denver loses three to one. Menino starts the next game. 
Denver wins 6-3. Later on in the season, Denver loses 0-3 with Fisher in net. Wins 5-0 with Menino in net. So I bet that has something to do with, um, okay, then we're going to go ahead and put Menino in net against Colorado College. And I would be surprised if he was better against North Dakota that year as well. Um, or if it's they, af- after you win that game, he's the hot goalie, then you go with him no matter what. I th- I think that's what happened. Um, because they only played three times. Um, they only played North Dakota three times that year. Um, and they swept North Dakota. Uh, equal four to two scores mm. with each of them in net. And then the Friday game of the final five was a two to one overtime. Uh, and that was Fisher. Uh, that was Fisher. So, so, I mean, you would think then Fisher might have a little bit of the upper hand there going up against North Dakota, but what's not? And I remember going to that game too, like Denver against Colorado College. Like, I don't care who wins, but you know, these are two incredibly good high scoring teams. Like, this is gonna be a fun game to watch, just as an outside fan. One nothing Denver win. <laughs> and I'm just remember being like, oh, this is a, one of the worst final five title games. Yeah, they uh I said one of those weekends was a single game. They just played a, the first game of the year, played just a Saturday game at Minnesota, non-conference game. I'm wondering if this was the Hall of Fame game being like a one-off like this. It's weird. But I know the Gophers, and this was at the XL Center, I know the Gophers would play. They, they had an icebreaker at the X in this era. They would, and maybe they just played random games there. And that was when, like, uh, Mankato played one of their home games against the Gophers at the X. I'm just looking at this attendance figure: seventeen thousand four hundred nine for that game at the X, the uh, first game of the year, early October. This was the peak: oh four, oh five, oh six, oh seven. This was the peak of college hockey attendance. Can you imagine what would it take for a college hockey game to, to draw 17,000 for the X right now? I don't think the Gophers no. could do it. Uh, it's so. so it's uh, it's insane to, to think of that. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, this is Gophers against Denver as well. I mean, it's, it's not like it's a. It's a local team, right? Yeah. And so just going through these going through these years of of. Uh, national cha- champions and and how they manage their goalies, it is unusual. Like I came across the O seven O eight BC team. John Muse was their starter. He played every single minute for the Eagles <laughs> that year. So the opposite of the goalie tandem, uh, there is no other goalies listed on that team, and he played forty four games uh, as a freshman. And nine twenty one saves, and they won the national title. Nathan Gerby on that team too. That was a good. That was, I mean, that was when BC was just getting started. Yeah. It was like their second run as a kind of a dynasty. Mm-hmm. That kind of late nineties, early two thousands run, and then three. They won three national titles in five years or whatever it was, starting with this 08 team. So 
But that one was more unusual, like to see a team literally that didn't have a backup play a minute um, was was unusual to see too. But interesting to go down the list, uh, to go down the you know, history here, even though it is frustrating not being able to, to be able to easily access things like box scores and, and whatnot. But yeah. uh, it is uh, it is interesting, that's for sure. And it's a good question. I... Uh... Now that is going to seem a little bit off the wall, but that era of Denver Pioneers goalies, that Burkle, Dubowitz, Fisher, Menino, like, I don't know why, but that always, like, I I can never keep any of those straight who won a championship and who didn't. I'm better. I'm better now after doing this little bit. um, (laughs) Cause I, I got, I thought Burkle was both years, but then I'm like, oh, no, yeah, that's right. Because I remember Menino. I don't really remember Fisher personally. I, I don't know why. I would have been at games that he started, uh, but I just that that name has sort of slipped my memory uh, at this point. So, so did 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 win a championship or did he not? He would not have. I, I God, I swear he won a championship. Fisher was a freshman for that. The, the the year before the Burkle year, so Burkle was a senior, Fisher was a freshman. So, so then it was sophomore uh, Fisher as a sophomore and Menino as a freshman in that 04 or five year. And even the, I mean that yeah. 04 that 04 Denver team, they kind of, that that championship was somewhat of a surprise. Uh, they did not. Uh, that was the year that they did not make the uh, final five. CC beat them in the playoffs. Um, to knock them out uh, of the That's final right. five, but That's then they then they you know won four straight in the in the, in the national tournament. Uh, but that was kind of a surprise. But then you're thinking, okay, well they kind of won this surprise tournament, but now they they got two young goalies the next year, and they might have been a better team as it turned out in, in that uh, 04 05 year. So um, yeah, that was a yeah they were and, and to, to remember when you're rattling off those CC players to think of a time when CC was just elite like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it is uh, nostalgic. So. But. Well, we probably rambled on long enough, huh? Oh yeah. I, yeah, I think so. so. Well, that about does her. So about does her. Uh, thank you guys uh, so much for tuning in to the Husky Zaki podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week after uh, uh, the Minnesota Duluth series. Uh, I'm Weldy at More Clappers, M-O-A-R, Clappers, More Clappers. Andrew, you can reach him at our email address, which is... That's right. It's huskieshockeypodcast at gmail.com. Perfect. And remember, uh, five-star review. Uh, go ahead. And if you made it this far, you got to like it at least a little bit. Uh, That's right. So please, please, uh, please, please, please. Thank you. All right, until next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo!